of prayer before we jump into the sermon. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. I pray, dear God, that uh, you would just prepare our hearts for what you want to say to us. Pray, dear God, that we would be open to receive it. And, Father, that you would be pleased by our thoughts, by our attitudes, by, uh, by our actions, Lord God, as we live out your word in our lives. We love you. We praise you for this time we can spend together. In Jesus' name, amen. So, okay, so last week we started looking at biblical womanhood. All right, so what I'd love you to do is please, and I want you to make uh, a concerted effort in your mind to say, yes, I'm going to do this, and either go out and get the CD, uh, get the CDs from a couple weeks ago about biblical manhood and the, and the CD from last week, or you can go online, listen to the podcast. But as someone said, first service going out, they said, it's like you're bringing the pieces of a puzzle together so I can see the perfect, complete, whole picture. And I thought, man, what a great what a great word picture that is. And so it's hard, to, it's hard to build a puzzle and understand one sermon without the other. So please go back and get the two sermons on biblical manhood. And then last week we started on biblical womanhood. And this morning we're going to continue. But they all fit together. They all fit together. What I'm, what I'm trying to do is lay a foundation for the topic we're moving into which is the roles we play throughout the seasons of our lives. We play different roles depending on the season of our lives. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. And now some people will say, wait, you're skipping verse 21 where it says submit to one another. We're going to do that next week. We're going to cap it off with that next week um, to cap off this kind of this study on biblical womanhood. Okay, so Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, before we continue, I want to give you my definition of submission. Okay. after exhaustive study, I can't tell you how much time and energy I've been putting into these sermons to make sure to the best of my ability that I'm laying them out in a biblical way. So uh, let me give you my definition of of submit Um, voluntarily yielding in love. If you look at it from a biblical perspective, that word submit in the Bible means voluntarily yielding in love, following the leadership of a person in reverence for Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're ultimately followers of Jesus Christ. We're following the leadership of another person in reverence to Jesus Christ. To voluntarily yield in love, to to serve someone is what every Christian should be striving for. Okay, when we, we, we use those terms, voluntarily yielding in love to, to, to follow uh, the leadership of another out of reverence for Christ. These are, these are things we should be striving for. It should be men and women, should be our greatest desire. It should be what we long for more than anything else, to be a servant to those around us, to, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to follow the the example of Jesus Christ is our ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal of everyone. It's the example that Jesus Christ set while he lived here in every single area of his life all the time, every single day. 
Now, if that's the case, then why is the idea of a wife following the leadership of her husband in the home so controversial? Even in the church, why is, it, why is there so much controversy around that? Well, I think that pride and selfishness, um, a, a lack of humility and a lack of understanding of this passage, if you will, um, has a lot to do with it. And I mean that for men and for women, okay? That's not, the, that's not the issue for all the women in the room. That's our issue, pride, right? The idea of pride and, and, and honestly, selfishness much of the time. The Bible teaches that a wife should follow um, the leadership of her husband in the home, not because women are inferior. The Bible never teaches that. We've spent weeks now going over this, okay? You cannot come to the conclusion, being in this church, at least in this church, that women are inferior in any way to men at all. But because that is how God designed the marital relationship to function. This is how God designed our relationship to function. Our loving God has told us this is the way the world should function. If you're looking for harmony, if you're looking for unity, this is the way the world should function. So God has laid this out. Even before sin entered the world, this, this principle this principle of, uh, of leadership was in place. Adam was created first, and Eve was created as a helper to Adam. Now, before, we, before anybody kind of reacts to the helper idea, we talked about it last week, we're going to talk about it again. And another thought came to my mind, too, when we talk about first. Doesn't the Bible say the first shall be last, right? So, when we talk about a helper for Adam... We need to reflect back on our study from last week. If you weren't here last week, this helps set things up very well. So I'm going to kind of I'm going to go back and talk about that. Help, help, okay, can refer to simple, modest acts. All right, it can refer to simple, modest acts, or it can refer to something much more vital and significant. An example of vital help, as we talked about last week, is a doctor intervening on behalf of another person to save their lives. This is vital help. You have a heart attack, something's happening, and the, vital, the, the, the doctor intervenes in a vital and significant way to save you. In Hebrew, the word for helper used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, and in verse 20, is the word Azer, E-Z-A-R. Okay, the Hebrew word Azer, E-Z-A-R. It's always, okay, let me say that again, it is always used in the Old Testament in the context of vitally important, powerful acts of rescue and support. That's the only way it's used, okay? Because in our English language, in our culture, we think, oh, that person's your helper. You have the car- I said this last week, you have the carpenter's helper. You have the carpenter, and then you have the carpenter's helper. That is not the context in the Hebrew, okay? That's not what they're talking about. They're talking vital. They're talking vitally important, powerful acts of rescue and support. That's the way it's always used. This word is even used of God himself, okay? We've read scriptures. You read through the Bible at all. If you've been to church or a Bible study, it says God is our helper and our strength. God is our helper and our strength. But it's important to note that the Bible never, okay, uses this term in a way that puts God in subservience to human beings. God is never subservient to humans. 
And so we cannot use Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 or verse 20 to show that women are subservient to men. That's not the way it's used here, the idea of helper. Okay? That's not biblical. An ideal partner seems to be the best thought here, that she is an ideal partner, equal with him. The second important Hebrew term or word that we talked about in this verse is the translated this whole, this idea of helper fit. She is a helper fit. This idea of fit is the word connecto. Okay, the word connecto, K-E-N-E-G-D-O. It means it literally means okay, according to the opposite of him. I love that word, connecto. Okay, so you have helper, vitally important, okay, like a doctor saving someone's life. So she's intervening. She is a helper there, supporting and, 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 and beyond just, oh, a little helper. No, helper, all right? Vitally important, according to the opposite of him. So you have equal coming together, all right, that creates, if you will, perfection, ultimately, That's how God has designed it. That's how God has laid it out, according to the opposite of him. In other words, the focus here in the Hebrew, okay, is on an appropriate match. Eve is an appropriate match for Adam. Eve is not created above or below him, but she is complementary to him. Okay, not above or below, complementary to Adam, his perfect match. Now, a lot of the pushback that we have in our culture today on this and even in the church is because this has been misused throughout history by men, okay, to, to, to basically be abusive. All right. This is why we have a lot of pushback. It's not hard sometimes to understand why a culture or why women want to push back on this idea because it's been so misused throughout history by men. It's been, it's been used to be more abusive. Some countries, some countries in the Middle East, you can see this happening even today. You can see the same behavior happening today. So you have that as one reason. Why is there pushback? Okay. The other reason is because we are sinful and we are rebellious. Okay. As people, men and women, we're sinful and rebellious. We don't want to follow the leadership, if you will, or submit to anyone or anything sometimes. We're just rebellious and we're sinful. And I think we just need to step back and just own this. All right. That's part of the reason I know for myself during this last uh, actually the last few election cycles. And I'm not talking about Republican Democrats and don't try to read my mind. But I had a really difficult time thinking, how am I going to the Bible calls me to calls me to to, submit to the governing authorities that are placed above me. And I was I actually spent like half a day in my office trying to figure out how to get around, if you will, that command. Because I was really struggling with, okay, if this person wins or that person wins or the last second, or this person wins or that person wins before that. If this, I don't really feel like I want to submit to their authority because I don't really respect them as human beings, as people. I respect them creating the image of God. I don't respect a lot of their lifestyles and how they live, and what they say and how they talk and whatever the case may be. I felt like, God, you're going to put me in submission to someone I don't want to be in submission to. But as I read the word of God, it was very clear, unless they're breaking God's law, unless they're breaking the law or breaking the law of God, I am to be submissive to whoever God places in authority at that time. And I had to come to that conclusion. 
But my, my initial reaction was, I don't really want to submit myself to these folks at all. And a lot of that, I have to realize, is my own sinful rebellion speaking. Some of it, you can, we can argue over why I didn't want to, but some of it's just sinful rebellion. I don't want to um, at all. Establishing authority in the Bible is not an uncommon practice. It's not, it's not establishing authority in the world that God establishes authority in the world overall is not, in, is not uncommon in the Bible. It's not uncommon in Scripture. God established governments okay, to make sure that justice is done in a society and to protect people so that they're protected. God in his wisdom has established um, leaders in the church, pastors, to feed and to protect the flock. God has established in a, in, in, a, in a home husbands to love and to protect and nurture their wives. God has, has set up parents so that they can raise and instruct their children. And in each case, following leadership is required. In each of those cases, following the leadership of someone or some body is required. When it comes to uh, governments, citizens are to follow their government. Churches are, are to follow the leadership of the church. You're supposed to follow the, the pastor, wives to their husbands and children to their parents. It's just a structure that God has set up. God is a God of love. God understands. God has laid all these things out. And God is saying, okay, in order to have the kind of society, in order to have the kind of lives that we want to live, there needs to be structure within that culture. I can't think of, and you can help me out here, tell me after the service is over, I can't think of one institution or one company in our world today where a leadership structure is not in place. One successful institution and one successful company in the world where there is not some leadership structure in place. As Christians, our first responsibility is to submit ourselves to follow the leadership of God. In James chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're supposed to submit ourselves to God. Submit to him first. There's a lot of misunderstanding in our culture today about the, 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 the roles of a husband and wife in, in a marriage. We have turned this idea of submission or following the leadership, but especially the word submission, into a bad word. It's just a bad word. No one, no one likes it at all. We've turned it into something really negative. But like we've established for weeks, following, someone, following someone's leadership is not a reflection of inferiority or value. It lower value. In any structure we have, God sees us as equal. Okay, God loves women as much as he loves men. He loves men as much as he loves women. We are all equal in the eyes of God. There's not, but there's nothing wrong with God setting up structure in the world that we all have to follow. There's nothing evil or terrible about that. As a matter of fact, without it, you have chaos and things would be horribly wrong. So I want to I go back and, and talk about Jesus' example again, okay? Let's talk about Jesus' example because we're supposed to be conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the goal. How do I become more like Jesus Christ? He consistently, Jesus Christ consistently 
submitted himself to the will of God the Father without reducing himself at all. Okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons of our one God. Jesus Christ, while he walked this earth, consistently submitted himself to the will of the Father in heaven without reducing himself at all. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 reminds us of this. Listen to what it says. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So Jesus, I can give you verse after verse after verse that Jesus Christ is, is equal with the Father. Okay, The exact representation of his being. I and the Father are one, Jesus said. But then he says in, in Luke chapter twenty two forty two. okay, so that's established. God is equal with the Father. Jesus says, Father... If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. But Jesus is fully God. But he submits himself to the Father. In John chapter 5 and verse 30, and I could go on and on and on. I'll give you one more verse. In John chapter 5 and verse 30, it says, By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Jesus Christ was submissive to the Father, but did not reduce himself at all. Jesus restrained his deity in some cases, but he never reduced his deity. He never became less than, but he was in submission to the Father. Jesus is fully Christ, fully God, and fully man. He chose to follow, follow the Father's leadership while he was here on earth. That's our example. That's the example he said. Voluntarily yielding in love. Jesus voluntarily yielded to the Father in love because he loved us and wanted to make sure that we have an opportunity to be in relationship with God the Father. So he's willing to submit himself. Jesus Christ came to earth to be a servant. That's why I said in the very beginning that is the goal of every Christian to be a servant. To serve others, to wash other people's feet, to put ourselves in a position of servanthood to them, to love them more than we love ourselves. That's the example that has been set for us. Now, the world has taken this and gone off in a different direction. They make assumptions, okay? Well, the Bible says this, or here are all the assumptions. So I picked a few, okay, so I can refute them. Because right, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. And here, here is, there's, there are boundaries around that. A wife is under no obligation at all to disobey civil law or God's law while she's, being, while she's following her husband's leadership in the home. She is, she is in, under no obligation to disobey the, the law, the civil law or God's law while following his leadership. God calls her to follow his leadership in things that are right and lawful and God-honoring. Right, lawful, and God-honoring. Is it righteous? Is it, the, is it right before God? It goes without saying, she is not under any obligation whatsoever to submit to any form of abuse to herself or her family. None at all. Okay? That, that, from a biblical standpoint, she's under no obligation to submit to any form, verbal, physical, any kind of abuse uh, at all. 
trying to use this principle, okay, talking to guys, trying to use this principle to justify um, abuse or in some way um, use it for control, you want to control, is a twisting of Scripture and basically a, a promoting of evil. If you use it to your advantage in that way, it is unbiblical, it's so unbiblical it boggles the mind, and it is, it is twisting Scripture to your own advantage, and you're, not only that, you're promoting evil. You're doing something the opposite. You're promoting evil. This principle does not allow for a husband, okay, at all, to be aggressive or domineering. To treat his wife like less than. I just I had a thought this week as I was going through this, studying it. Eve was not created from the dirt. Think about it. So don't treat her like dirt, ever. Don't treat a woman like dirt, ever. She wasn't created from dirt. Don't treat her like dirt. She was created from Adam's... And then next week, oh, you're, you're really going to love next week to talk about the implications of all this. But we need to be careful that we follow God's command to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And that means the idea of aggressiveness or domineering when, when it comes to this passage, out of the question. A wife is called to follow the leadership of her husband, or her own husband, it says, and not every man that comes, not just men in general, okay, outside of this structure that God has put into place. Not every man and not every situation, okay? It's very, very specific here. This call does not extend to woman's role in the world as a whole, okay? The world at large. There is no biblical issue whatsoever of a woman, okay, running a Fortune 500 company or any company or an entire country. You like Nikki Haley or you don't like her or whatever, I'm just picking a name. But if you like her and she becomes president, boom. All, God's all for it. Okay? It doesn't extend. This is what the, the world tries to throw these things. Well, women, you're saying that women can't. You're saying that women can't. You're saying that, I'm not saying women can't do. This is God. This is the, what God has laid out. So she can run a company. She can run a country. There's nothing said because there's nothing said about a wife's abilities or her value or her talents or her worth. In fact, she, she follows her husband's leadership in the home. Just because she follows her husband's leadership in the home does not imply that she is intellectually inferior or less capable in any way, shape, or form. It never says that. It actually says the opposite. Just go back and listen to all the other sermons. It says the opposite. But that's the idea. Well, if you're saying this and you're saying that, no, I'm not. God has clearly laid out a structure within the home. That's all I'm saying. When it comes to value or worth or intellectual capability or someone's leadership or any of those things, I'm not, not saying those things at all. The reality is, okay, she is often better in areas of leadership than he is. I mean, all the time in so many different ways. Uh, the, uh, a wife can often be better in certain areas of leadership than he is, but she chooses to follow the Lord's instructions by following her husband's leadership. She just chooses to do that, voluntarily yielding out of love. That's what she's doing. She's voluntarily, according to God, yielding out of love. So let me just back up. God's desire behind the, the instruction to follow is twofold. To honor and respect her husband. Well, that's, that's absurd. You want to honor and respect someone you love? And num number two is to complete him 
where he may be lacking. A helper. Okay, we talked about helper. We talked about fit. What do those words mean? So she's to honor and respect her husband. Check. Okay. And to compliment him where he may be lacking. Gosh, that's terrible. Right? It's God's wise plan for how the family should function. It's God's wise plan for how the family should function. God is a God of order, not a God of confusion. Not a God of disorder, okay? He's a God of order. And if we live this out the way the Bible calls us to live it out, we're going to have harmony and unity within the family structure. As a matter of fact, well, if we live out what God is calling us to do, we'll have harmony and unity across the board. Now, you might be thinking, well, my husband doesn't live up to God's standards, okay? He didn't live up to God's standards, so why should I love or honor or respect him? He's not living up to God's standards, so I, there's my out. Since he's not doing what you're saying he should do, I, I heard the sermons on biblical manhood, and he's just not living up to whatever, so that's why I'm not going to respect and follow him. First, you need to ask yourself, and I am not saying this in any way aggressively or accusatory or anything. I'm asking a question, okay? Is that really the reason you're not following his leadership? Is that really the reason? See, what's important here, and I'm, again, I, 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 I desire in my own life that I'd be able to self-reflect. Instead of blaming this person or blaming that person or blaming, 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 that I would look into my own heart and say, is this really the reason I'm thinking or doing or acting in this way? So all I'm asking for is a little self-reflection. Is it actually, is that actually the reason why you're not following? Could it be, could it be that you are not going to live like your mother? Your father was this, you know, totalitarian. I mean, everything, you know, his, and I'm talking in a negative way, okay? Because, you know, I'm talking in a negative, a kind of abusive way. And your, your mother put up with it, and she had to, and she was a Christian, and she was taught, and she was told, and she was whatever. And I'm not going to live that way. And that, that maybe, maybe just kind of reflect, self-reflection. Maybe is, is that the reason that you're, you're so opposed to what God's saying here? Could it be that that you, you desperately need the control because you've been in a situation in the past where you didn't have the control and you were abused in some way and you will never give anyone control. Again, I'm not submitting to anyone or anything. I totally understand where you're coming from. I wouldn't want to submit or follow the leadership of some tyrant, nasty human being who's abusing me or hurting me. I understand all that. But what you need to do is take a step back and say, why that this person that I've chosen is not the same as this person over here. And I may have had experiences, but am I letting my experiences, am I letting my feelings dictate the way I live in, my, in, in God's design for the family? That's all I'm asking, okay? I, I, I ask the same thing of the husband's. Is that, how, is that why you're doing what you're doing or why you're living the way you're living? So here's what I want to do. You ask the question, why should I? And I want to answer it uh, in a biblical way, and then I want to give you some practical application. Okay, I want to give you some practical thoughts. First, in verse 22, it tells us that we should submit unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. Okay, we should submit as unto the Lord. So the as unto the Lord comparison reminds us all that we are responsible to a higher authority than anyone here on earth. As unto the Lord. Why? 
I voluntarily yield in love, okay? It says, as unto the Lord, right? You're doing it out of love for God, out of love for Jesus Christ, okay? So this comparison reminds us that we're all responsible to a higher authority, men and women. God calls us to follow, not based on, this is important, okay? Because we all have these things going on in our head and reason why we're not going to do something. And I'm trying to kind of chip away a little bit and just get to the heart of the issue. Um, God doesn't say that you should voluntarily yield in love based upon the performance of the other person. If that you're, you're saying, well, they're not, they're not, they're not, so I'm not. You're basing your following God on the other person's performance, and that's not what it says. God's call to follow does not, is not based on the performance of the other individual. It's something that's done because of love for them, that person, and for God. It's the love for them and for God, even, honestly, even when they don't deserve it. They've fallen short. They're messing up. They haven't, the, their past is riddled with all kinds of excuses and all kinds of I'm sorry's and all kinds of... But now maybe, um, now maybe they're, they're growing, they're changing, they're, and, but you're still holding on to some of the things that happened in the past. Please hear what I'm saying here. This is really, really important because I've processed through this a lot. This is the biblical ideal, okay? What I'm describing to you, what God lays out, okay? This is the biblical ideal. If, if the husband behaved in this way and a command, uh, followed God's command in this way, and the wife follows God's command in this way, and the children followed God's command in this way, you would have harmony and unity and love and support and encouragement. This is the biblical ideal that God has laid out for all of us to strive for. But God says, be holy because I am holy. Am I, I'm the first one to admit I'm probably never going to be, I'm not going to be holy completely the way God designed it until I get a glorified body in heaven. Okay, but God is calling me to try to the best of, to the best of my ability to be holy. He wants me to conform to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, to the best of my ability and my maturity while I'm here on earth. God says, I should love my enemies. Do good to those who harm me. Have you lost your mind, man? Right? But that's the biblical ideal. That's what God, if I do that, I'm not going to get ulcers. I'm not going to get all stressed out to the point where I'm spending my life saying, I'm going to show them and I'm going to get back at them. You spend your whole life, it's destroyed because you're going to get them. And God's saying, Love your enemies. Forgive those who've done this to you. Forgive them. That's the biblical ideal. This is the biblical ideal. When a husband loves his wife like Christ loved the church, she doesn't have that much of an issue fulfilling what God has called her to do. That's what I've seen. When, when a husband loves his wife like Christ loved the church, following his leadership is usually not an issue for her. A husband is called by God to love his wife. He is responsible before God to fulfill that calling on his life. We are responsible, men, before God to fulfill that calling upon our lives. 
Please go back again. I'm, te- I'm, I'm encouraging you once again. Please go back again and listen to the sermon on biblical manhood and what our responsibility is and do your best to live that out. Okay, so set aside now for one second. Okay, so now I want to give you some, um, as we end this section of this study, some practical thoughts. I've heard men say, you know, it is really hard to love anyone the way Christ loved the church. It's really, that's hard. They, it's just like, it's, it's, it's really hard, okay? It's really hard. But then, then right on the uh, tails of, tail of that is, but she's still supposed to still love me, or she's supposed to still uh, submit to me and follow my leadership regardless, okay? Because it's not a, if, then, then, this, then. And so men will say, well, I, this, is, this is really hard. But even if it's really, she's supposed to follow my leadership in the home regardless, Okay, boom, stake in the ground. I have a song I'd like to sing for all the men. I like dreaming, right? Right? Dream on, buddy. Dream on. I said it was a biblical ideal. If you're not going to attempt, okay, because, oh, this is, that was so difficult. If you're not going to attempt it, you can dream on that you're most likely going to be in a situation where your wife is going to submit, is going to follow your leadership in a godly way without any kind of, like, Oh, I'm doing this just for Jesus. You know what I mean? Right? That's just, that's, I'm just talking reality, okay? I'm just talking practical reality. Let me lay this out. Wives are called to follow their husbands, okay, in the home. That's what they're called to do. They're called to, they're called to follow their husband's leadership. Husbands are called by God to love their wives the way Jesus loves us, right? Uh, laid out there. And every sermon you've ever heard just about in your life on this subject, and every book you've ever read in your life on this subject will say the same thing. His job is harder than her job. Men are like, yes, men, 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 right? Our job is harder than yours. Yes, it is. It is so much harder than yours if you actually try to fulfill Jesus' command. It's so much harder to love anyone in the way Christ Jesus, Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world, who laid down his life for every single one of us, and you're supposed to love your wife as Christ has loved us. That is so much harder than this. If you actually attempt to do it. If you don't, it's not harder. It isn't harder. It's cake. Right? I'm a man. I'm the male. And so you must submit to me regardless. That seems like a sweet deal to me. I'm, I'm a male. So regardless, you're supposed to... I mean, let's just reverse roles for a second, guys. If you're not fulfilling, you're not trying. I'm using the word trying your best to fulfill what God has done for you. Can you honestly sit there with a straight face and tell me that your job is harder than hers? It's not. Reverse roles and see how how much you like it. If you weren't trying, trying to fulfill what God has called you to do, and you're expecting her to do that. As godly men, okay, as godly men, our wives are supposed to submit to or follow our leadership. But guys, we are supposed to follow God's guidance and direction for our families. 
There's a purpose here. Listen to me. God didn't willy-nilly come up with a structure. There's a purpose for what he's saying. He's not just saying it to, well, I've got to put something in place. I'll put her now, I'll put him now, I'll put her now. He put it in place for a reason. There's a purpose behind it. Not some random command from some random book leading men to, to use it as a power play. We're supposed to be leading. Why did God set this all up? We're supposed to be leading our wives closer to Jesus Christ. Our husbands are supposed to be leading their wives and their families, their children, closer to Jesus Christ. If I am supposed to be leading my family closer to Jesus Christ, then I should be getting closer and closer and closer myself as I lead my family closer. There's a purpose behind this. It's not some willy-nilly thing that puts me in charge. Here's the deal. I should be studying the word of God as much as I can. You want your wife. You say, wives, submit to your husbands. Okay? That's what it says. Okay? I have studied and studied and studied. And there's no way around the reality. That's what the Bible says. Done. But here's the thing. My responsibility is to lead my family. That's why he purposed it this way, to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Doesn't that mean, if I'm going to expect that from my wife, that I should expect more from myself, that I should be studying the Word of God so that I can become a better leader? Doesn't it mean I should be spending my time in prayer individually about every decision that I make for my family? Doesn't it mean I should be, I should be praying about that by myself and with my spouse? Doesn't it mean that I should be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God in my life? So as I read the Word of God and I say, God, I'm not really sure about this decision. Your Word is not specific on whether I should take this job or that job or move here or move there or do this and do that. Please, Holy Spirit, guide me in this decision. Doesn't it mean that we should listen to our wives' wisdom and discernment because God has given them to us as a helper fit? Should we go through that again, what that means? Shouldn't we be using the wisdom and discernment and the, 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 spiritual, the, the spiritual maturity of our wives when we're making decisions about really important things? If you're thinking, yeah, it's fine, but I still get the last word. You've missed the point completely. If you think, yeah, I get what you're saying, Pastor, but I'm still the boss. You've missed this completely. You're like, here's the goal, and you just shot way over here. If you're using this to to benefit you, you make decisions that actually benefit you, you've missed the point completely. All the time we've spent, you have lost and missed it all completely. Jesus Christ was the servant of all. The first shall be last. I should be thinking, how can I serve? If I am the leader, I need, to, I need to show that kind of leadership to my family. I need to submit myself. I need to love them. I need to serve them. I need to support them. I need to put them before myself. So let me make a practical suggestion that you're all allowed to argue with me on completely. Okay? After all my study, this is my suggestion. I don't think you should move forward in making a decision in your home unless you're both on the same page. Unless you both agree with the decision. That doesn't violate the call to respect. Disagreement is not disrespect. Okay? According to the opposite of him. 
So she, the wife comes with the brain that God has developed and given to her in different ways than the male has, and they come together, and I think you should come together, and you should make decisions together. Because that doesn't violate the idea of helper or complimenting him where he is in need, where he has some weaknesses, where he is lacking. Doesn't, that doesn't violate that at all, does it? I don't think it does. Because here's the thing. If men and women are equal in the eyes of God, if men and women are equally, if husband and wife are equally seeking God's will and God's direction, if two become one flesh, then shouldn't they be coming to the same conclusion? If, if, if two become one, and, and, and I'm basically asking for the Holy Spirit to guide me, and she's asking for the Holy Spirit to guide her, shouldn't we be on the same page? And if we're not on the same page, should we really go forward and making a really important decision? Just asking the question. If everything I've taught you over the past couple months here is, is what the Word of God is saying, then should, should we really move forward on huge decisions or decisions in the home if we're not kind of like walking together? Men, can you honestly say that you are more spiritually mature than your wife? And if you, if you, if you can say, if you can, no, you can say, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Can you honestly say that you're more sensitive to God's leading in your family than she is? Wouldn't it be a smart thing? It's nothing wrong with that. You're still, God has still put the structure in place, but wouldn't you want to draw from her experiences, from her leadership abilities, from her wisdom, from her guidance, from her decision? Wouldn't you want to draw from that? Wives, do you, do you really honestly, can you honestly say that you have equal knowledge on every subject that you guys talk about? Because here's what I hear from guys all the time. I can't make a decision in my home without there being a battle. There's a big battle and fight over every decision. I can't make a decision. There's a battle. Why? If he has more knowledge on that subject, why, why not just follow his, his leadership on this one? Nothing, what, what, what is the... We've got to ask ourselves, why are we fighting and battling over things? If that person, if the wife has more knowledge on this subject or more experience or whatever, or the husband has more knowledge and experience, why can't we, if you will, submit to one another and take that person's guidance? Why does there have to be a, why do husbands say that there's a battle on, every, battle for everything? Here's what I've heard from godly wives. Following his leadership is not difficult for me. Following his leadership in the home is not difficult when I know that he's doing his best to love me and to follow Christ. It's not difficult for me to follow his leadership as long as I know he's doing, not, he's not perfect, he falls short, he messes up, but he's doing his best, doing his best to love me the way Christ loved the church and to follow Christ in what he does. He's trying. Wherever he is mature-wise, he's trying. I want to close with a quote that I think ties us all together, and we're going to, we're going to continue the subject next week. But I want, to, I want to close with this quote from Matthew Henry. I absolutely love it. And if you could leave it up after we show it, because people really wanted to get pictures of it in the first service. It says, The woman was made out of the man's side. She was not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled on by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, 
under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be loved. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you for giving us the ability as a church to deal with challenging subjects, Lord, that some people don't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. But Lord, as someone even said in the first service, I need all the pieces to the puzzle so I can understand what my responsibility, what my role is, what, how I can help, how I can be a support, how I can love, how I can honor, how I can cherish, how for, 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 for men and for women. God, I pray that we are putting those pieces of the puzzle together and we will continue to put those pieces of the puzzle together so that we can fulfill the responsibilities we have before you. God, more than anything else, I pray that we would walk out of this room with the realization that I need to be a servant. As a man, I need to be a servant of my family. I need to put them before myself. I need to love them as, as Christ has loved all of us. God, help us all, men and women, to be the people you've created us to be. Help us to fulfill the call that you have, the roles that we have in each of our lives so that we can find the harmony and the unity and the love and the encouragement that we all desperately need. We desperately need it, Lord God. So help us to have really good conversations this week. Help us to submit to your will. Help us to put away our pride and our selfishness and our, and our pet, whatever it is, Lord. Help us to put it away and to come at it with a fresh new idea in our hearts and our minds. Fresh thoughts. A new beginning. We love you. We praise you for this time we can spend together. In Jesus' precious and holy and awesome name, amen. Have a great week.